0: A mysterious intriguing and often misunderstood occupation knowledge is power now more than ever
1: hello and welcome to the hacker factory podcast i'm your host philip wiley i refer to myself as the hacker maker because i teach ethical hacking as well as mentor aspiring hackers And today I'm honored to have Crystal on our show. Uh, She does all sorts of cybersecurity-related tasks, as well as some physical pen testing. And so I think she's really going to be a great inspirational guest for you all to learn from today. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Can you tell us about yourself?
2: Hello. First of all, thank you so much for having me here. Um, I feel like you could have chosen a million other people. Um, So I am so grateful to be able to share Uh, my story and hope that I can help inspire and teach um, anyone trying to get into this field. Um, So my background started, um, it's a very non-traditional story, um, in my eyes anyway. Um, I started out and am still in the military. Um, I've been in the Army for 18 and a half years. Um, And before I joined the InfoSec community, um, I did about twelve years of military intelligence work. Um, mm-hmm. That work consisted of targeting. Um, so my background was, you know, incredibly analytical, um, a ton of research, that kind of driven mindset of, of figuring out facts that aren't so easily um, available. Um, I have multiple deployments, um, which you know were some of the greatest times that I've ever um, spent working. Um, I, I came home and decided that I wanted to focus my career um stateside. And you know, I'm I'm a protector at nature and I wanted to or protector by nature um and I wanted to kind of protect my community, something a little closer. Um, so I walked away from that career at 33 and uh decided to go to a brick and mortar school. Um, I have a degree in digital forensics. Um, I thought that was gonna be, you know, one of the uh, ways to get into the field. This was kind of before I did any research whatsoever. um, And I just pulled the trigger and started running. Um, So that's kind of how this all started. Uh, Three or four years ago, um, I completed my degree in three years. I then aligned my military career, transferring from the Intel world over to incident response. And um, I was placed on a a team that um, responds for the, the state. And that's kind of what catapulted me into what I'm doing now.
1: Oh, very interesting story. And this is the reason why everyone's story is important because you've got people, a lot of people trying to move from the military into, you know, the traditional world or outside of military life. And so those stories are helpful because I run across a lot of people that I mentor that are trying to figure out how they can pivot from military life into the business world. So that's a a very interesting story. So uh, kind of what, as far as, you know, your education, what type of training did you do? Is it all like based on a college degree? Did you do any kind of certification related training or any kind of industry specific training? Could you describe your education background?
2: Uh, Yeah, so it's funny. I don't really use much of my degree and nor did I expect to. I just, I found a topic that was interesting and um, figured, you know, if the military was gonna pay for me to go to school, I might as well learn, you know, a a new skill. And before I considered myself an above average user, um, but, but not anywhere near, um, you know, some of, some of the people, most of the people that I come across in this field, um, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and while in school trying to keep up with, with kids who had been doing it since they were 12, um, I had to study kind of twice as hard and figure out like, okay, um, how am I going to, teach this to myself and keep up with them. So it it was definitely a challenge. Um, I do have one certification now. Um, I have GSEC, uh, it was a requirement for my position in the military. Um, it was definitely a, um, very broad, um, and a lot of information, um, when I was studying. So it was, it was a good baseline for me. Um, I, I learned, not necessarily how to do things, but more so um, the the con- like concepts behind everything. So um, it really helped me. After coming into the field, I definitely think that there are a ton of other ways to do it, and I just chose the route of a degree because I felt like I was so far behind everyone already, um, and I thought maybe for- formal training would kind of help me with that. Um, as far as the military side of the house doing intelligence and doing targeting really helped me because of, you know, that's how my mindset already was kind of coded. Um, You know, constantly thinking what else, um, how do I prove this? How do I find this? Um, Just ripping things apart all the time. Um, And then turning that into a, a passion that I did. I started reading about, you know, um body language and facial expressions and and interacting with people and discovered Paul Ekman and it just really went off from there that's where i started kind of finding my my niche and what i really really love doing so no i don't know python and no i have no idea how to you know do most of the things that i read on twitter but i really enjoy people i enjoy interacting i enjoy kind of figuring them out and so once I I had a degree, I, I had this passion, I had all this you know experience doing this in the military. I said, okay, how can I turn this into a job? Um, so I was handed an opportunity. Basically, I just applied and said, you know, screw it, let's let's try. Um, and I got accepted, and I started physical pen testing, and it was completely life changing.
1: Oh, very cool. That's one of the things about the technical side of things that, you know, some technical folks or your nerdy folks just sometimes don't really understand the human element. So that's, you know, pretty tough in itself. I think that's harder for most technical people and to have that skill. And so that's one of the nice things about the show. Anyone, is the listeners is to, to realize that, you know, there's stuff like physical pen testing. So if you really don't get into, you know, coding or writing exploits, that doesn't sound interesting to you, you know some people, this is what kind of draws people to pen testing to begin with is pen testing is kind of like spy kind of stuff. And then (laughs) the kind of stuff you're doing is even more so.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, doing this, I've learned that, you know, okay, I definitely want to be more technical and I'm I'm focusing on that. Um, I got a taste of kind of the dev world and an exercise that we did last year. um, and, And again, this year and I think that I'm I'm finding my path and and figuring out okay here's what I want to focus on now to kind of expand my horizons. Um, but yeah, it's it's so exciting to me. So
1: that's good. And you know, if you're passionate about what you do, it's just so so much easier to put in the extra time and effort, learning. And if you have to work late, it's not a, as big of a deal as if it's in a job doing something you don't like to do.
2: Yeah. People outside of this career field, I don't have very many in-person friends that do similar things. Um, They don't understand. They're like, man, you're, you're always at your desk. You're always working. You're, you're, you know, always doing this. And I'm like, I'm not working. Like it's, (laughs) it's something that I love to do. I just signed up for um, it's, it was so random and I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, that would be a really great skill to have. Um, I saw there was like a deal that came across for an ASP, Uh, American sign language course. I was like, wow, I can sign the alphabet, but I don't know anything else. Like, so why not, why not do this? It's interesting. It's something that, you know, a lot of people don't know. Um, it can absolutely help me in the future. Um, and then it gives me another group that I'm now able to communicate. So communication to me is extremely important. If you can't relate to someone or you can't communicate to them, um, you know, what's the point?
1: Yeah, that's good. That's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Most people think about other languages, verbal languages, but they forget about sign language. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Do you feel like your, your time in the military helped you understand the adversarial mindset more? Oh, absolutely.
2: Um, I I think that's what started driving this whole career change was because I, I constantly thought as a red teamer, um, you know, it, and that, that kind of like, you know, excited me, like it, it set my soul on fire. If that makes it so cheesy, it's just something that I say, like, if, if you're not doing something that sets your soul on fire, then you're on the wrong path. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely kind of changed the way I, I thought as I was, you know, growing up through the military, I, I enlisted when I was 18. So um, it, it definitely changed um, kind of how I saw things.
1: Yeah, you've got that even to a further extent because I know just from working in offensive security, if you're out somewhere, I've been at airports before and saw USB dr- thumb drives laying on the <laughs> ground, and you just think automatically there's something malicious on there. You know, I'm going to plug this in, as malware, and they're going to get a shell to my system. Yep. So you just don't look at things the same way when you understand that. That's even like when I get junk mail in the ma- and you know in my mail each day, my snail mail. You know, you really, when you kind of understand social engineering and some of the techniques that they use, it really annoys you that marketing uses those same techniques.
2: I completely agree. When I worked, um, or whenever I work in a company that has marketing and I get an email from them, seven times out of 10, I have to go to them and say, hey, (laughs) this is not a good tactic. Like, don't, this is something that I would use on an engagement or something, you know, it's... (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could go on about that because I had bought a car in 2019 and it annoys me that some of these some of these uh car manu- car salespeople will give your information out to people and so they're trying to sell you extended warranties and they're using social engineering to do that. And it's really kind of annoying. You know, you can't imagine how many people that don't understand that area or, or the elderly they get yep. that stuff, and they think they're their, you know, warranty is going to expire, and they sign up for an extended warranty that they don't need. And,
2: <laughs> and that's another reason that kind of drove me to do this. Like I said, I was I was focused, you know, outside of the country, deployed to different countries, and I was uh, protection just runs in my DNA. Like when I was younger, I wanted to be a police officer. Well, I think I wanted to be a teacher first, but um, that that still stands true. I love teaching, but I wanted to be a police officer. Then I wanted to be in the military. Like I, I just protection. I, I want to keep the people around me safe. Um, and, and scammers like that taking advantage of, you know, the elderly and people who just don't know, it really makes me irrationally angry. Um, so I just, anything that I can do to, to raise awareness or to, to help someone that doesn't understand, like it just, that is something that I really love doing. So
1: that's good. And we need People like, you know, we really need some, uh, you know, training security awareness for the average person because some of the stuff they people are not aware of what's going on. And if you're not working for a corporation getting the security awareness training, a lot of people are missing out on this because that's pretty noticeable from social media. You see on Facebook, everyone posts up the little thing saying that uh, Bill Gates is going to give them. $1,000 or, you know, million dollars or whatever, if they forward this, or if they put this little thing up, this privacy notice, then Facebook can't, you know, use their pictures, their information and stuff. So there's definitely a need for that.
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of avoid, I mean, I'm all over Twitter, but uh, yeah. I, I tend to avoid Facebook, but um, yeah, it's, uh, and then all the surveys that, that fly around, you know, what's your favorite color and favorite animal and what's your mom's maiden you know what i mean like it's just it's it's uh people don't know they i think in this day and age they're just you know scrolling everyone scrolls social media just kind of take your mind off what's going on and they see oh you know this is a really fun fun little um survey or or something it's going to tell me what house i belong to for harry potter uh, yeah. Gryffindor, Gryffindor, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and these people just get taken advantage of. So um, if I can, if I can help in uh, any sort of awareness and, you know,
1: I would love that. That's good. So uh, whenever you're getting ready to go like on a, you know, a physical pen test, are you nervous when you do that? Is there anything oh. <laughs> you do to, to calm your nerves, any kind of music you listen to anything you do to prepare? So, yes,
2: I, i am nervous every single time. It never fails. I don't care how much I have prepared, how much, you know, how much information I have from OSINT. I am always nervous. Um, There's a a ton of OSINT kind of scraping that I do. Um, Social media is huge. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, obviously. Um, But I think about 95% of the time, the moment I get in, I have to find a bathroom and it's just because I need to like breathe for a moment. Like I, I I've gotten in and if it's a place where I don't have, you know, say four, four plans where they didn't really post a lot of interior pictures, I have no idea where I'm going. I have to get to the bathroom so I can just kind of collect myself and breathe for a moment. I'm probably sweating at that point. Like it's, it's, you know, it's scary, but it's ex- in an exciting way, not, you know, actually scary. But um. so, yeah, there's a there's a ton of work that goes in beforehand. But the bathroom is always my first step. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, guys, I was watching a talk at uh, NOLACON in 2019. And there's a couple people that were red teamers and they do a lot of physical. And they said the first thing they do, they go into the bathroom and they carry like a candy bar with them so they could kind of get a little bit of blood sugar and try to calm down and all of this. So it's pretty interesting.
2: I would ha- eat in my car before I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it.
1: Yeah. I guess you'd have to kind of uh, be careful with the caffeine in case, you know, some people that might help and some people might make them more nervous.
2: Um, yeah, I think I drink, I, I tend to, you know, drink coffee at home. I, I also kind of scout out the location the day before um, I like to go at the end of the day. Or, or just before the end of the day, just so I can see the traffic exiting building. Um, but yeah, the day that I plan to go on site, I usually um, figure out, okay, what are the what are the high, high traffic times? Um, or if I have a completely different pretext, then, you know, wh- wherever that fits. But yeah, I definitely have a snack with me before I go in. Um, and I drink a ton of water. So I will either carry a bottle with me or or drink a bunch in the car before I go inside. And then, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm already in the bathroom. So two birds, one stone, but um, yeah. And I get hangry too. So yeah. I have to make sure that I plan like, you know, snacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so as far as that type of uh, doing the physical pen testing, are you pretty good at the artwork of making the badges and that sort of thing?
2: Oh God. It's so I, w- I would love to say yes. Um, but I've never actually had to, like, I will use a white HID card and put it in a badge holder. Um, so most of the time they just think my badge is flipped around. Um, so it's not, you know, the most difficult thing. I always find badges. I don't want to say always, a lot of the times I will find badge pictures online, um, so if I needed to recreate a badge, then I could, um, a lot of times I'll go on site multiple times. The first time I, I kind of start with a slow escalation of force. Um, so the first day I go in, um, or I don't go in, I sit outside and I, I scope everything out. And the next day, depending on the site, of course, um, I try to go in with no additional, um, like elevated posture. So I saw, I have my clothes on. I don't have a badge. I don't, you know, disguise myself. I just kind of see where I can walk around. Um, If it's a smaller institution, then obviously it would be something different, but um, a hospital per se, I always start in civilian clothes. Um, And then I will try to go in a different way um, and then elevate a little bit. So um, I have scrubs. um, I have acquired a stethoscope. Um, I will go sometimes the day prior and, and uh, check out the thrift stores and Goodwill because A lot of companies, um, people will get rid of their shirts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at a telecommunications company, um, I found a shirt at a thrift store and put it on and it 100% made a difference. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely um, multiple phases in in the, you know, intel gathering, the the kind of recon beforehand and then the actual day of different um,
1: uh, levels of uh, attack. So, so out of the all those different areas of the physical pen testing, what was probably the most difficult to, to learn? Um, the most difficult to learn?
2: I don't know if I would say it was difficult to learn because it, to me, it, it felt kind of like a common sense thought, mm-hmm. but it was putting it into practice that was the hardest part. So the execution of it, because, you know, people... I, I would always be nervous. So I, I you know, calming my nerves um, changing my body language changing my um, uh, appearance and having people, you know, be able to to question me or to challenge me and maybe able to, you know, Calm and collectively, uh, That's not a word. (laughs) To be able to see, this is what happens. Um, But to to smoothly respond to them, so they think like, oh, she's supposed to be here. Versus, wait a minute, she's acting really weird. Why is this happening? So, learning the tasks to me weren't that difficult, but the
1: execution of them, I think, was was definitely the hardest part. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there'd be a lot of judgment. You know, because someone, you know. Like a disguise, for instance, some people are just not as talented as coming up with that. So some people probably look kind of funny going in somewhere trying to go in disguise and try to yeah. look natural. It, that's very true, and and you have to you know kind of work with what you have.
2: So I am a five foot nine female, and I have you know a half sleeve and a full sleeve. So it's whenever I go into hospitals, a lot of the times. I, in that first initial day I have to look at people okay like are tattoos showing because if not and then I show up the next day in short sleeve scrubs someone's gonna be like wait a minute she doesn't fit in um and then I also have to figure out what color scrubs they are wearing um, because each hospital is different so um yes yeah, you, you kind of have to work with what you have work with what you're
1: most comfortable with um and then just go from there so I guess for your pretext too, you know, mention of hospitals is I guess you have to kind of learn the t- terminology from the different environment you go into. <laughs> that,
2: that is very true, um, and I was pretty lucky that most people didn't ask me questions when I was like on site at hospitals. Um, I got asked for directions a lot, so that that was great. Um, I had some security guards just ask me, you know, in passing, like, "Oh, you're still here?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I don't even work here." Like. <laughs> Because they saw me five hours before wandering around aimlessly. So um, it, but, but yeah, in, in certain situations and in some financial uh, uh, institutions, it's definitely, um, I can't just wander around aimlessly, um, especially once you get past a certain point. Um, So you have to be able, you know, once you develop your pretext, um, kind of these, the, the quick uh, names, you know, and this is where LinkedIn comes in play. Figuring out the key personnel who would have sent you to this location or who you could say, oh, you know, Steve, something, 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 I just, but it has to feel natural. So, um, yeah, now that I'm explaining everything, uh, there's there's definitely a lot of prep that to me feels completely natural um, and just common sense. But, uh, yeah, there there's actually a lot of prep that goes into it.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Because I, I was just when you mentioned going into the hospital, I'm thinking, you know, if you're going in there in a uniform, you know, trying to play off as medical personnel, you know, you would think you'd kind of have to understand maybe some of the terminology. I don't know. It's
2: kind of. I mean, like I said, I, I got asked for directions a lot, but the the great part about the hospital is that so many people wear scrubs that, you know, I don't necessarily have to be a medical personnel. So there are yeah. orderlies, there are the administrative people. Sometimes they wear scrubs, but um, yeah, in one hospital, I almost walked into an operating room, and oh, wow. I was terrified. And <laughs> turned around and ran basically very quickly, didn't run. I walked very quickly uh, yeah. the other way. So, yeah,
1: yeah, they might ask you to scrub in.
2: <laughs> oh God,
1: uh, hand you a scalpel, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that would have that would have been. I would have just cried. I don't know. <laughs> just, just frozen. Just, I don't know what to do. <laughs> So as far as learning this kind of stuff, what do you recommend for someone that's wanted to get get started in social engineering or physical pen testing?
2: That is, I think probably the most difficult question that uh, I will have to answer today because I didn't have a, a, a path that was, you know what? I want to be a social engineer. I didn't even know what this was. Yeah. Um, I, I figured out that I was interested in, um, you know, from a, a targeting perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, um, from a targeting perspective, that kind of mindset was very exciting to me. And it, it made me feel like, wow, you're really doing something. Um, and then once I learned what social engineering even was, um, I just kind of focused heavily on that. So Um, there's, there's no step training. I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I follow a lot of amazing people on Twitter who I freak out every time one of them follows me back. Um, (laughs) like Jenny Radcliffe commented on one of my posts today or last night. And I kind of flipped out a little bit and fangirled. (laughs) Um, and especially snow will comment, you know, cool. so yeah, there, there are a ton of resources out there, but um, there's really no formal training that that I would say, you know, would kind of set someone up for this, which I think is really wonderful about infosec because you don't need a degree and you don't need certifications, and that's just one path. That's the path that I took um, because honestly, I didn't know any better, and I thought that was going to be, you know, how I did it. So um, I I know people who are light years ahead of me and they have zero college education and zero certifications. Um, So I think that's kind of, you know, another reason that I was excited to be able to talk about this because there, there's no set path. You figure out, Hey, this is what I want to do. And then you just kind of dive into all of the information and ask people and make friends and make contacts. And, you know, before you know it, you're about to, you know, attend a financial institution's Christmas party under the guise that you're going to bring pumpkin spice latte cookies and, (laughs) you know, you leave unscathed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's probably one of the things, one of the things that your area of the field that most people don't even realize exists that, you know, you're actually paid to, you know, gain unauthorized access to buildings and that sort of thing. So a lot of people don't realize that because, the, the pen testing role almost sounds spy-like, but when you get into the kind of stuff that you do, that's even more so. Uh,
2: yeah. And and I think people think that I'm way cooler than I am. They're like, oh my God, you're like a spy. Like all of my friends are like, you're a wizard. I'm,
1: mm,
2: <laughs> I'm really not. I just kind of like bumble my way through everything and I'm super nervous and, and I'm, you know, relatively awkward in person sometimes, um, but I just, I love it. I love it so much that it's you know it makes me happy. So I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to keep doing it.
1: That's great. So how much lock picking do you do in your role?
2: Yeah, uh, so it depends on the site. Um, I'm also not an expert by any means, um, but. You know, sites with exterior gates, they they will have locks. Um, I carry lock picks with me all the time. Um, but it's not as much as I would like, mm-hmm. basically. I think I, I pick more on my off time than I would um, on, on site.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's one area that I'm not too good in. I've done a little bit of physical and social engineering, but the lock picking thing, I really haven't. Done much? I don't know if you' familiar with lockpicks and lipsticks from from Twitter.
2: I, I am. Yeah. So we, yeah. Yep. We have interacted a few times on Twitter as well, and I super fan out there too.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's in the Dallas community, and uh, we first met through Dallas Hackers Association. And I used to have her come before the pandemic. I'd have her come to my class and teach lock picking. So that was so much fun. She she really likes to teach, and then the students really enjoyed learning to to pick locks. A lot of them didn't think they could do it, and it is was amazing, you know, she's a good teacher and, and some of the students were amazed that they were able to pick it up.
2: Oh yeah. she She's absolutely wonderful. And I cannot wait to be in Texas for the next time that we can do anything in person because I would love to meet her. Um, and it's, it's not, I carry around a travel or not a travel, obviously it's travel, but I care, carry around a training lock for that reason. So, like I said, I'm not an expert in anything, especially not lock picking, um, but I have, taught and showed multiple people um you know within a matter of minutes how to pick and the look on their face makes me so happy like they never thought in a million years that they would understand you know how a lock works and to watch them pick and to hear that click noise like it it's it's so wonderful so I could only imagine how amazing those classes are
1: yeah, it's pretty fun. I love to watch it because she's really passionate about teaching as well. So it's just really a lot of fun. Always cool to see people like to teach. You know,
2: I agree. I definitely wouldn't be here today without people helping me by any means. Because, like I said, I don't feel like I'm an expert at anything. Um, I have a really great circle of friends and colleagues and mentors, and you know, just a, a fantastic community that just builds me up. Even even doing this. I, I messaged, you know, a, a group that I'm in, and I was like, "Holy crap! I just got <laughs> asked to do this. I, I'm not worthy. <laughs> oh, <you laughs> I don't, <aren't. laughs> I don't even know why." Um, so, but yeah, it's it's great because you know our community, we're, it's a it's a strong community. Yes, there are some you know crazy parts that happen too, but I'm I'm very lucky. I I've you know never experienced um, you know anyone trying to you know, tear me down or, or just, you know, be mean to me for no reason. It's just been people building me up and, and it's, it's, it's so wonderful. So I, I'm extremely grateful for um, the InfoSec community and how they have kind of pulled me in and said, you know, you're great. And we're going to show you why every day. So.
1: That's good. I'm glad you had a good experience with it. It's a, uh, it's pretty important to me too. I you know, cause this is my hobby. So when, Whenever things are normal, I'm going to conferences and cybersecurity meetups and that sort of thing. So the community is, is great. We're lucky here in the Dallas area to have so many organizations. But but going back to your, your story is worth hearing. And, and the, the most important thing is to get people encouraged to get in. And sometimes when you see someone like a Jason Street, you know, April Wright, Deviant Ullum Yeah or Dave Kennedy, some of these people that have been in the industry for a long time that are really good at what they're doing, some people are intimidated and say, I can't get there, and people need to hear the stories of, of other people, how they got in. And And kind of my goal of this, this show is I'll probably have people on with the that are just barely getting started because sometimes it's more fresh in people's minds how they got in. When you've been in the industry 10, 15 20 years, you kind of forget some of those little things that people that are just getting started out. Remember?
2: Yeah, that's so true. Um, And like you, you said, everyone's story is different. And that was one, um, you know, line of encouragement that one of my friends gave me, like, no one's experience is going to be like yours and your experience matters and your experience could help someone. Um, So shake off those nerves and, you know, just go talk. Like, so I think it's really great, you know, especially in today's world of all the craziness that's going on, the, the way that people are kind of, you know, getting into the field and making themselves better and um, constantly learning. I, I think, I think it's really wonderful. So.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, we're getting down to towards the end of this, end of the show, or are, are there anything you'd like, anything you'd like to discuss or anything you'd like to share with our listeners before we close it out?
2: Um. Maybe some cheesy motivational stuff. I feel like I've been saying this all day Uh, or not all day, but uh, (laughs) all all show, Um, you know, if you're not happy in the field that you're in, or if you're not happy with where your life is going, only you can change that. Um, And don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something because you absolutely can. It may take you, you know, a few weeks, it may take you a few months, it may take you a few years, but You can do anything. And if if this is your passion, be it social engineering or or coding or pen testing or anything, um, you get to forge that path. You get to decide, you know, how you learn and how you do things. Um, so just keep your head down and keep pushing. Like you got this and I believe in you.
1: Great advice great advice uh, sometimes we can be our biggest barrier absolutely so, yeah well thanks for joining us uh, it was great having you on this episode i'm sure everyone's going to enjoy hearing your story
2: um I, I hope so uh hopefully i helped anyone um if anyone has any questions uh i would i would love to you know, speak to them offline or um if they just want to shoot the shit I, i'm i'm here too so
1: thanks and we'll be sharing your twitter handle in the in the show
0: notes so people will be able to find you so thanks again
2: thank you so much
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode of the hacker factory podcast with philip wiley if you learned something new and this podcast made you think then share itsbmagazine.com with your friends family and colleagues